Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few podcast. My name is Mason Stewart and I'll be your host for yet another Premier League show. As always, please like and subscribe and any regular Premier League listen, listeners, um, I know there, there is quite a few, get some comments in for us for for, for topic discuss, discussion, um, if you can. Uh, with me tonight, we have Jamie Rolls. How are you, Jamie? I'm all good, Mason. Thanks very much for having me back on. Top man, and we've also got Johnny as well. How's things, Johnny? Oh, good, Mason. Thank you. Nice to be back as always. It is, it is, mate. And um, before we come into the the Premier League action, uh, Jamie, there, there's a, a topic of conversation that's doing the rounds at the moment. That I, I thought we'd we'd touch on, and it's the um, blue cards to be introduced um, for football simbins. Um, when I actually see this, I thought it was a uh, one of them Twitter pages that, that I continue, yeah, continuing block people that just make fake news. I can't stand it. Um, and then I noticed the uh, verified account on, on the Sky Sports and I, I was disappointed. But blue cards, what's, what's this all about? What an absolute riot. I mean, if, if there was anything that we've seen from this season, it's people are making decisions about football that quite clearly have no understanding of football. And this screams exactly that. We've had all the issues about making the laws of the game so far, as in what constitutes a penalty, what constitutes a handball, what's a yellow card for dissent, a blue card. Like, it's just the most unneeded thing ever. I'm not even a favour of the old Sinbin that they were talking about as well. Like, but the blue card, Sinbin, it just makes no sense at all. Um, how can you expect a referee to get a blue card, to, to, to issue a blue card when there's still subjectivity of what's a yellow and what's a red? And what I mean is specific challenges. There was a perfect example um, of the, the game at the weekend 
and uh, I think it was Villa and Manchester United. Johnny, keep me right. You were watching it. I think I think it was Villa Man United, and there was a, there was there was a Villa counter attack, and I think I, I could be wrong, but I'm sure one of the Manchester United players, I think it was Kobe, Kobe Mayno, stepped out in front of David Luiz, and the commentator said that's a that's going to be a blue card in the future. No, that's a yellow card. He's disrupted a play. He's made a foul on the opponent. The, that, that's not a blue card. That, that's a yellow card. The only reason I would quantify a blue card being acceptable was, for example, do you remember Van Dijk got, got done at the beginning of the season against Newcastle? He got he got the red card, but he was obviously also done for swearing profanities, if you like, at the referee. If he wanted to issue a blue card for something like that, then I completely understand it. But they're not doing that. They're wanting to use it as a subjective issue, which is what does a technical foul look like? A technical foul in the middle of play is a foul. It's not anything else. I don't get it. It just screams absolute stupidity. And I know they're not aiming to lash it out in the top professional leagues and start it off in the lower leagues. But I don't I just I just don't get how it works. Another thing that, that kind of jumps out about it is imagine a player on the 30th minute being simbined by a blue card for 10 minutes and then coming back out for the 40th minute and then pulls his hamstring because he's not kept warm in those 10 minutes, keeping his stretches going. Managers and clubs will have an absolute field day with it because it 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 just... It, doesn't scream anything. It can't be helping the game at all. If they want to get respect for the officials and cut out dissent and technical fouls, then use the cards that you have. It's as simple as that, in my opinion. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that, Jamie. Johnny, what's your thoughts on this and, and, and more to the fact that I'm just worried about who makes these decisions um, because it's people, for me, that, that have never played the game. Very good breakdown, Jamie. Very diplomatic. I think I'm going to have a hard time doing that. Um, but I, I was the exact same as you when I heard this, the, the news breaker. I thought it was a wind-up. I really did. Uh, and then looked a little bit deeper. And the first thing that sprung to mind, other than a bit of disgust, was where does this came from? It, it came from absolutely nowhere. I don't don't remember reading anything like this. I'm nothing official. No, no, you know there was no pre-mention about. It. There was nothing like that. It just landed. All I can make for this is one. It's going to slow the game down even further, uh, and that's the, the the decisions they've been making in the last. Couple, it's been a while now. All of it is slowing the game down. It's uh, oversaturating the game with rules. We have referees and VAR that are already struggling by making some baffling decisions even though they have the, the constant use of replays and to relook at things they're still getting them wrong um, you have ex-referees coming out now and all clearly saying the same thing that the, 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 the rules were, it was too much they just kept adding more and more or changing more and more and most of the time they could see no reason for why they were doing it You know, there was no productivity for it it wasn't benefiting anybody, it was just like for the sake of doing it, that's what I see for blue card uh, all these kind of ideas, like you're talking about Simon and stuff, and, and you'll hear a lot of fans saying we should use this for rugby or use this for another sport. That might be fine in rugby, and that this is not rugby. It's a different game. 
you know, it's, it doesn't mean it's going to it's going to echo over and work just as well. That's not how it works. So the blue card thing, no, it's just it has no place. It has no place at all. I agree with Jamie. The cards work, and even then, they have no consistency with the cards. Exactly like the one he just talked about the weekend, um, the United game. That was a yellow card. It was a it was a nailed on yellow card. It wasn't a blue card whatsoever. So all it does is give them more subjective decisions. Uh, it's going to cause more problems. You're going to have a player going off for 10 minutes. If it's a tight game, it's 0-0 or a team's at 1-0, they're just going to park the bus for the 10 minutes. They're going to slow the game down. The game's going to go to shit for the 10 minutes. It might have been flying at that point. And then after that, the game probably doesn't get back to where it was. I don't see how any of that helps with entertainment or making the game any more thrilling or to benefit fans. Fans seem to have zero say. I, I can't see many fans thinking that's a good idea. I believe it's came from IFAB, the International Football, what is it called? Association Board, something like that. Um, so, no, mate, just to abbreviate and round it, get it to fuck. No, just no. <laughs> I've just got, Johnny, I've just got the fear um, of that hitting uh, Scotland and Willie Collum uh, running around with a blue card. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's picking me up at night, to, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's good to get your thoughts on that. I think we were in agreement on that. Hopefully, it doesn't uh, end up end up happening, but I fear it might. Uh, Jamie, onto Premier League action this weekend, and I've got to start. I think it'd only be fair to start at, at the London Stadium, where uh, Arsenal run right six uh, nil winners uh, against West Ham. West Ham have been poor of lately, but. No one uh, would have predicted that scoreline, um, especially at, at half-time. Um, on a, from an Arsenal point of view, um, there, was, there was a lot of question marks. They've lost to West Ham twice already this season um, and they needed to back up that win against Liverpool last, last Sunday. Yeah, I, I, you know, um, a 6-0 was never on the cards. Um, going into that game, in my opinion, especially in West Hammer at home. Um, they are going through a sticky patch, but not a 6-0 patch against one of your main rivals. Um, I think I think it was a combination of two things. I think one, Arsenal were just, you know, they were they were tenacious in the way that they played. They, 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 they weren't forgiven. They weren't forgiven them any kind of um, leeway at all. And I think you can actually... You can see that in people like Declan Rice, who's obviously, you know, uh, a hero for the West Ham, but grabbed himself a goal and two assists, and he was ruthless. His goal was absolutely a stunner. You know, um, he didn't celebrate, but you could see that they were just at it. I don't think... I think you could have chucked a Bournemouth, a Fulham, a Nottingham Forest, somebody else, Wolves, and I think they probably would have been stung 6-0 based on how Arsenal were playing. We said a couple of weeks ago that we were struggling to understand where Arsenal goals were coming from because compared to the season before, they're nowhere near it. Trossard's popping up, Saka's popping up, Reckham Rice is popping up. They're all having a go now. So I think I think anybody would have probably succumbed to that. That's you know, that that kind of a pasting off them. Mm. Um it just reads really bad for David Moist, you know. The fans have already had the backup the last couple of weeks, I think. The last win was actually against Arsenal on the 26th of December. Um, so, and that's across all, you know, all competitions. They went out of both cups and the last win was against Arsenal. 
to then flip it and then they got done by Man United 3-0 last week on a whimper. They looked really poor and they looked even poorer again on Sunday. You would have anticipated some kind of reaction from West Ham. Um, I'm not buying into the fact that West Ham have injuries. I think, you know, I think they do have injuries in Paqueta um, and, and so forth. But I think there has to be discussion on some of the decisions made. Um, for example, Calvin Phillips. How does he not start the game? If he's your big your big player bringing in, how 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 is he not starting the game? He's been poor in his first two games, and then he was he didn't really contribute much to Sunday. That's somebody's decision to bring him in. They let somebody like Pablo Fornells go. No, I'm not exactly a big fan of Fornells, but he was a West Ham boy. He scored in his debut at the weekend. So so there is goals in these players, but some of the decisions I think are just they just seem a bit, you know, who is making the decision? Is it this technical director behind the scenes? Is it Moyes? I would argue it probably isn't Moyes. And I think 6-0 does him no favours and probably puts an extra nail in a coffin that's probably going to happen before the end of the season at this rate. Um, but Arsenal were ruthless at the weekend. They really were. Saka was up for it, mad for it. Um, you know, Saliba getting a goal, Gabriel getting a goal. I mean, they're all, they're all at it now. So I, you know, it was really bad for West Ham, but I think it was really good for Arsenal as well. Yeah, they've got goals coming all over the pitch now. Arsenal since they've uh, come back from 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 the break, um, they, I think they scored six, three, and five. They got five against Palace as well, didn't they? So um, goals has, has not been a been an issue. Uh, Johnny, if, you you got to praise Arsenal for that performance Sunday. I thought they were relentless. I think if any criticism I was going to give Arsenal was the last 25, half an hour, they could have scored uh, more goals, but obviously the game was done. Um, just on David Moyes, though, um, there is a lot of supporters that, even after winning the Cup last season, um, wanted a change. Then they're, they're not happy with the style of play. Uh, Jamie touched on it there. Um, you, you look at their, their lineup at the weekend, uh, three at the back with a right back playing left wing back um, and you know, three holding midfielders, in my opinion, Sona War Prowse, um, Suchek, and Alvarez. You also add Calvin Phillips into that. Um, not a lot of creativity. Injury wise, they what they did have injuries sort of before. Before uh, Christmas, um, you look at the squad that actually went to the Emirates on one compared to the squad that was available at the weekend. It was only Paqueta missing. Um, so for me, I, I think you've got to just they've just got to ride it out. I think Moyes deserves that time, um, but I, I do believe that the voices are going to get louder and louder. And I think I think I said last week as well. I don't see him being there uh, next season. We touched on this before, if you remember me, very, very early in the season. But there was already an element the fans wanted them out. And that was just after that European win. Um, they just didn't fancy them at all. Uh, we found it quite hard to get our head around. And then the season started and they, they, they started really, really well. Uh, it wasn't long ago they were sitting fifth. Um, and like you say, they are in a bad, a bad rut. Uh, I mean, that result of the weekend, you know, that you're absolutely right. It doesn't no one any favours uh, within West Ham, especially David Moyes. I believe that's now, uh, where am I? 12 goals conceded in the last four. They've only 
they've had three draw, four draws, sorry. The last one was December, end of December, something like that. So it is a bad drop, mate, but listen, I agree with you. Part of me, and I, I don't say this as a shade towards West Ham or, you know, if you support West Ham, I don't, I don't mean it in a bad way. But if you're part of the element that does want them out, what do you actually expect? What is it you're looking for, given the, the squad you have and the resources you have and roughly where you are as a team? What do you expect? You've got a European trophy, which is the first major honour of that kind of stature for God knows how long. You're doing relatively well in the league. Yeah, you're on a bad run just now, but it's not like it's been going on forever. Um, you can still turn that around. I think Paqueta is a huge miss for West Ham. I think that's probably underrated a wee bit. Um, he is he is really, really big for West Ham. But one player doesn't make that happen. Um, I just think that if he does go or they get their way and he's out and... If it face plants, and I think there's a high bar for that, then they're going to get what they deserve. Uh, I really, uh, uh, it probably sounds a bit blunt, but I think they, they, they are going to get what they deserve. Uh, I do agree, Moyes is more of a defensive setup. We know that. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of holding midfielders and that on the pitch at the weekend. Um, they tried to shut Arsenal down early on, but you could see very, very quickly that it was not working. Um, Arsenal just zipped the ball around them and they were ruthless, uh, back to what we spoke about last week, about Arsenal getting that sort of ruthless streak back. Uh, but yeah, part of me felt sorry for him. I don't know if you've seen the interview after the game, we've done a couple of them. And one of them, he was asked about, you know, what next? And he said, oh, well, I'm going to see if I can try and fix it. And he looked utterly dejected. And I just, I did, I felt quite bad for him. So I don't know what to do, mate. I think you're right. Probably they'll get their way. There's, there's a lot of noise, and it's only going to get worse. How he changes it or what he does to change it, I don't know. I do think this director that you, you guys are talking about has a lot more say than we realise, because a lot of those players I would not label as David Moyes signings at all, maybe one or two. The thing is with West Ham um, is they've already tried to be clever previously with, with um, Pellegrini um, after City and, and get a big name and um, someone that's I think the West Ham fans sort of want in terms of uh, this this big name and uh, you know I, I, I don't I don't really know who who that is but I just don't think Moyes is sort of sexy enough if you like. Um, and Mason, I, I heard on the radio. I was listening to a phone in on uh, Sunday night, and there was a lot of West Ham fans, and the, the, you know there was a couple of things that, that they were completely laying at David Moyes' feet. And for example, on Sunday, Ben Johnson playing right wing who's traditionally a left-back, when on the bench he's got Danny Ings. Um, no, not, not, not that these are any better, but the, the more suited, you've got Danny Ings, um, you've got... Um, Corne. Corne, Corne. Yeah, Maxwell Corne, for some reason, is not getting a game. But naturally, you, you start to look and go, well, why is that decision being made? What What is it he's seen in that? Because it quite clearly didn't work on Sunday. Um and and there was there was something else I heard actually that I wasn't aware of that apparently apparently West Ham have got sixteen players at the end of the season out of contract sixteen players that doesn't sound good at all and that probably signifies what Moyes is up against because if he's got that many players potentially looking elsewhere 
how how can he have a settled team? How can he how can he build on something right now? And it just probably adds a bit of complexity to what he's actually having to deal with at the moment. Yeah, listen, before just just like to finish up on West Ham, before Christmas, they topped the Europa League group again, um, which again I'm, my lifetime West Ham um have, have, have never been in Europe and the last few years he's, he's excelled them in Europe. They beat Arsenal away, they beat Tottenham away, and they beat Man United at home, all in the space of a month. Um again, when West Ham done that previous years. So they're having a bump at the moment, but I think some of the, 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 the comments, I think I think it is the case. I think we all said it last week, be careful uh, what you wish for. I think some of it does, uh, uh, what I will say is a lot of it, decisions um, do have to go to Moyes. He has to take a fair bit of responsibility yeah, as well. Um, yeah. You know, he's not he's not infallible. Um, and like <laughs> that week, result of the weekend showed that. Same thing that Jamie said, I was speaking to a couple of West Ham fans and they were like, getting really angry during the game saying they wanted to see uh, Danny Ings come on because nothing was working and try and go with Kudus and uh, I think Ward-Prowse behind them with the holding mids at the back of them. But yeah, I, I agree with everything you've said, mate. I think uh, I do think there's probably curtains on the way, but I don't think it's happened. No. No. Um, Johnny, I'll stay with you. Uh, I think Jamie's just having some, some connection problems there. Um, Spurs, big win for them at the weekend where watch the, the extended highlights um the game and they look to be honest they look second best here. I thought Brighton had the, the better of the play, better of the chances. But it's something that we've we've previously seen about, you know, um Angie's teams is they they don't stop till till the last minute as we've seen before. And we've he's, he's he's installed that in these Spurs players and you know they get a 93rd minute winner and get the points in in a game where Brighton, as I say, Brighton will feel aggrieved not to not to come away with anything. I, I thought Brighton were really good, mate. Um, they created a hell of a lot. They, for a, a large large portion of that game, they had, I, mean, I, I don't know, I, I forget the stats I've seen on the day, but it was something like 23 attempts to 21 or something. There was a hell of a lot of attempts in that game. Uh, and at the back end, uh, Ansu Fati really, really should have scored. That was just prior to Spurs going 2-1 up. I think that was pivotal. Um, it was bread and butter, but it just wasn't to be. But I agree, mate. I think Spurs, they, they do, they do uh, keep going. I mean, they don't really, they don't know when they're down. Uh, the, what, the, every goal that came on Saturday was from recycled possession. Somebody giving away always pass. Both of them were really, really guilty of that for that game. The Spurs are like a wee bit like that every week, to be honest. But I wouldn't say they're the most fluid teams, but when they do go forward, they actually, they click well. Um, I think Kulusevski probably gets a wee bit underappreciated for Spurs. Uh, the ball in for, I think it was for Johnson's winner. I don't remember if it was the first or the second, but uh, it was an excellent assist. He, he He's a, a cracking player for them, mate. But I mean, I think under they were looking for improvement, yeah? They doubted him at first, then they love him. Right now, they, they have improved. When you strip everything away from it, they have improved. They're doing quite well. I don't think they're going to win anything, but I think they're going in the right direction. I think the, if they hold on to them uh, and be a wee bit patient and give them the, the full transfer window next year, I think Spurs could be... I'm not saying they're going to challenge, but I think they'll definitely steadily get better. Honest question. 
what do you think is it they've improved that, Johnny? And I, I'm just curious because if you think of Spurs traditionally, you know, with Kane, they're a top five team, top six team. They're pretty much there now. So it's like, it's probably trying to measure them slightly different to what we normally measure them with. I think we have to remember that they don't have Kane and they are going through this transition. But yeah, sorry. Really, no, no, sorry. Yeah, go on. No, we're just going to say exactly that. You're right. But Kane going was huge for them. And I think a yeah. lot of us thought once Kane went, and they bring in Ange, who at a Premier League level was an unknown, it was a huge risk. Um, and also, Kane's going to make a dent in any team if he's not there, considering, I mean, he pretty much carried him for a long time between him and Son. Uh, but, I mean, he's he's handled that really well. He, we can see that. They're still pretty much in the same area. They're sitting in fourth. I would say, given that Kane's away, and he's only really had partial transfer windows to, to try and improve the team, I think he's done really, really well. And if he was in, if he had, I think he don't think he had a hand in the Madison deal, did he? I think that was done before he came in. I think it, probably a bit of both because I think Madison was also touted at Newcastle, wasn't it? And I think mm. it was, I think it was Ange that probably said that he would prefer to have somebody like Madison, from what I understand. Um, but no, I mean, you know, you're right. It's just, it's just how they measure up into it because obviously we say, oh, they're doing good now. Well, they're probably doing the same as what they normally are. They just have a different, different way of playing now. They, you know, they don't have Kane to rely on. They are relying on goals elsewhere in the team. Um, it's probably whether they get to kick on now because Spurs were always that team that couldn't kick on because they were so dependent on that one player. Um, he's obviously got some stuff to do with the team later in the window at the end of the season, sorry, by improving it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they get on. I think they were very stagnant towards the back end before Ange came in. I think they had went flat and they were very stagnant. Uh, they weren't really going anywhere. I didn't see them getting any better. Probably the opposite, especially when Kane went. So now, they, like you say, they're under new management. I do like the style of play. I think they look better. I just think they're going in the right direction. And I think if they continue the way they're going, I think there's a chance of maybe getting something. Like I say, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a league title, but a cup or something like that. I think there's a, a much higher bar for that now than there was prior. Jamie, just, just to finish off on, on this game, Brighton, um, again, not one in the last five. Um, I think West Ham haven't won the last five either, but it was a chance for Brighton to to close the gap in terms of, you know, they've missed opportunities in quite a few games yeah. now to, to 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 overtake West Ham and, and push on towards, you know, Villa and Manchester United. But um, I think we've really touched on this season. It it's, hasn't got the same feel to you know Brighton. Brighton are not doing bad. Don't get me wrong, but they they don't look as, as slick and as ruthless this season. I think I've been a bit more forgiving. Of Brighton in the last few weeks, mainly because their main players, or not main players, their more attacking players, have actually been away at the Asia Cup and the AFCON, as as in Adaringa, um, who was at the final, and um, Matoma. They've only just came. Well, Matoma's only just came back now, and he was also involved in the goal, um, you know, against Tottenham. So you can see how pivotal he is. I think João Pedro was called out. Sorry, as as ruled out before the game who looks to be out for a couple of months now. That's a big miss again for them, which means that they're now going to have to call back on people like Danny Welbeck. So I think Brighton's completely different to what they were last season. Um, you know, Esther Pinion's been out for a good few months and only just came back. They kind of just need to get some rhythm going. Um, 
the Zerbi wasn't on the touchline at the weekend. So it's like it's, it's like little pockets of stuff that's just not going for them right now. Um, I think European football is a big distraction for them because they obviously want to do well in it. And that's coming back around the corner for them. So um, they kind of need to get some fluidity probably about the results because, as you said, they're conceding a lot of goals. They're scoring goals, but they're still conceding a lot of goals and they're not getting results as a point of it. But I probably have been a little bit more forgiving of Brighton in the last few weeks, just purely on the basis that they have had players out. More of their attacking flair out, shall we say. Yeah, yeah that's fair enough. Johnny, on to the other uh, Champions League chasers. Um, Manchester United and Villa. Um, Man United winning it two goals to one in the end. Um, open game, I thought it could have gone either way. I probably thought Villa shaded it, um, but Man United managed to, to get, get the job done with McTominay again with another um, winner. Um, what did you make of, of that game on, on Sunday uh, afternoon? This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Uh, I thought... Similar to yourself, I thought over the, the course of the entire game, I thought Villa probably looked better, definitely created more, but lacked, lacked the ruthlessness, I suppose, or that cutting edge. Um, I mean, it was a decent game, uh, and United are picking up. We touched on it last week, they, they are improving. If they can keep going the way they're going, they, they are very, very dangerous going forward. Prior to that, that, just that final click wasn't there. You know, Hoyland was running his to the ground, but nobody was finding him. I don't think it was on, th- on him. I think it was the build-up play towards him, whereas now he's actually, they are finding him. Um, and it is making a difference. And then you've got Garnacho on one side, Rashford on the other. You've got Bruno supporting them. It, it is a strong prong when they're going forward. So I think that game at the weekend was a bit of a test, Mason, because they have been winning games, but I don't think they've really... I don't want to take anything away from the other teams, but they've not really faced somebody who's in form, who does have a really strong side. I think Villa was that test, especially away from home. So, I mean, I can only give credit where it's due. Uh, I thought probably didn't fully deserve to take the three, but took them anyway. And it's another one in the books, mate. I mean, if they can continue when they're going, it could be a decent season for Man United. At the end of the day, it's still going to be another team that look like they're improving. Yeah, I agree with that. Jamie, um, I think if we'd have asked us all before Christmas, we'd have said Man United have got no chance of getting in the top four. But the way the season's going, we've just spoke obviously about Brighton there, West Ham, um, you know, Villa losing again. Yeah. Um, they're all dropping points. And 
could they could they get in the top four? I think I, I think it's what you just said. I think if teams still keep dropping points around them, because I think I think they're a bit five or eight points off um the, the fifth place, I think it is. Um they kind of need Villa to drastically I mean we're talking about Villa losing a game. They've technically got to lose another three games in order for that to that to happen and Man United can continue winning. It's it's very inconsistent of the teams of like Manchester United at the moment. They, they're going through a wee good patch where they're picking up points, but they're probably only one loss away from it all going tits up again. And I don't want to take away from the fact that they actually did win on Sunday because that was a big three points for them. But this talk of them, I, I feel like every weekend Manchester United goes, is this the time that they now kick on? But they say it every weekend. And, and you know, let's not be, let's not be, um, you know, wrong about it. They needed McTominay to score the winning goal for them. And you think of the attacking talent that they've got. And as you say, Ganacho, Rashford, Hoyland, Bruno Fernandes. McTominay's coming on in the 86th minute to rescue them, which he's done a few times this season. Um, he's going to end up with a statue at Old Trafford soon, the, the way he keeps pulling these off. But I think it's a big ask for them purely on the basis that it would require Spurs and Villa to really, really collapse. And I think I think Unai Emery's too good for them to, you know, allow a run like allow that many losses to happen. And I think even the same with Ange. The one thing I will say is that whilst we're watching the game, completely agree with Johnny. I thought Man United. Will will be well chuffed with their three points, but for some reason Villa didn't take. Villa were missing lots of chances, um, and I would arguably say the game went flat when he took off Leon Bailey about seventy minutes in. They were pushing, they controlled the, the majority of the second half. They brought on Diaby, um, but then arguably took off the one player that was getting in behind them. So I don't get that thought process. Um, so I thought that was a strange one, but I think it was probably Villa dropping three points more than more than Man United gaining three points, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I'll be honest, I think that... Um, so I'll just look there quickly. I thought it was eight as well, but it's so they're five points behind Villa. It's probably, probably eight before the game then. Yeah. 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 And they're six behind uh, Tottenham. But the, yeah. the thing I've got sort of with Villa um, is they've obviously got, got the lead, but they haven't... They've got a... By the way, I would put... I'll put Emery the third best manager in the league. I don't know if that would cause a lot of um, Arsenal fans to, to lose, their, lose their shit for that, but I, I would say. But I just think this Villa squad haven't got the know-how yet to get sort of over the line. And seeing that in a few games, um, you know, recently, and there was the one before Christmas where Sheffield United went there and were leading yeah. till, till late, where you can't expect them to win. So they just a record for the home wins or something, haven't they? And then they got absolutely embarrassed by Sheffield United. Yeah, yeah. that was it. Yeah, so don't get me wrong. I still think they're they're gonna. They've got great. I think Johnny, you said last week. You, you, uh, sorry, Jamie, you said last week that you, you fancy him to get to get top four. I think. I think it's sort of if they're all here in form, I think definitely. But it'll be interesting to see how they cope being in that position. I think in the next sort of couple yeah. of months, Man United have been poor, but this is a Man United team that got Champions League last season, and they've got a lot of players that have got you know big experience. So. Uh, it's definitely heating up. The one thing I would say is that if you're scoring goals, then you've got your chances. And yeah. the one thing you're not associating with other this season is not scoring goals. Man United go through purple patches where they don't get goals and, and obviously they get the bad results. I would say, you know, arguably Villa are one of the, the you know, the best at the moment in terms of goals across, you know, Leon Bailey, Musa Diaby, Ollie Watkins, David, uh, David uh, sorry, David, uh, Douglas Louise. 
um, is ridiculously on some fork crazy form. I think he's got about eight goals this season as a defensive midfielder in all competitions. He, he, I don't think he's ever had a goal return like that. But you also then start talking to people like McGinn, who pops up with his goal, excuse me, every now and again. Then you've got Yuri Tielemans that pops up and get, he, he doesn't score a bad goal. I think what they're going to have trouble with, well, I tell, the other person, sorry, I really like is the the the, the boy at right by left back, is it right back Moreno? He's, he's so attacking. He, he, he loves swinging the ball in and the back stick for them. And then you've got Matty Cash on the other side. They've got these pockets of where they can get these goals from. And I think that's the thing that will see Villa good. Yes, they will have a dodgy result to them. They lost Mings at the beginning of the season. So now you've got Douglas Louise. They've now lost Conser um, for, for a good few months. So you're now going to have a central partnership. They've got Pau Torres out. So you've got a partnership of Douglas Call, uh, sorry, um, Diego Carlos, and is it the, the ex Spursboy Longley, the, the lads that's on loan? So they're pretty much going to be the partnership, and it's whether them two are going to have good games. You know, they, they need to kind of settle in with the rest of it. Um, but they also lost. Who did they lose at the weekend? The other midfielders at Kamara. Yeah, um, he's went off. At Luke's is always going to be off for a few months now as well. So they're starting to pick up these little pockets of injuries. But they, I think as long as they sell scoring goals, then they'll be fine, in my opinion. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. I think, I think you're right. Um, John McGinn's uh, form is laugh at the moment. I thought he was good again at the weekend. Uh, Johnny, um, moving on to the Monday night football where Chelsea managed to get two wins in a week. Feels like we've not been able to say that for a long, long time. Mason drop bombs. Go, Johnny, go. <laughs> and, uh, and Conor Gallagher um, popping up with three goals in a week as well after I said that he was uh, nowhere near it. Um, but to be fair, three good finishes and a big win for Chelsea uh, last night, especially as we've said with a couple of others above and dropping points. Um We'll touch on Crystal Palace. I think we'll, I'll get both your thoughts on Crystal Palace, but let's let's praise Chelsea for once on here because it's been quite a quite a few weeks. I praise them every week. It's you shit houses that ruin them. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, dearie dear, I had, uh, delighted me. I was delighted with that last night. I'll be brutally honest with you. The first half was absolutely criminal. It was awful for both teams. There was one moment of magic for Lerma. Uh, it was an absolute wonder strike. Out of nothing. Both teams offered nothing. It was 45 minutes you ain't going to get back. Um, Chelsea looked like they had done previous to the Villa win. Very, very lethargic, slow. Uh, the, to a point where it's really frustrating to watch. They are so slow at moving the ball with no... There's nothing dynamic about it. The, the the key passes are not there. They're not finding it anywhere in the top half of the pitch. They don't even get that far. It's either sideways or back away. And then second half, uh, I'm assuming Poch gave them the hairdryer treatment. It was like a totally different team. A totally different pace. Uh, took the game by the scruff of the neck. And as you say, Gallagher was outstanding. He, we did speak about him last week. Uh, I think you touched on him more than the rest of us, so yeah, definitely, he's been taking notes. But I mean, I said last week that I, I really like Conor Gallagher. I think he's one of the few in that team that run their cell into the ground. Uh, he, he's he's relentless, never, never stops. I just think it's hard to flourish in a team when they're struggling. I think that's very much the case with Conor Gallagher. The second half, like I say, they were very different, much more attacking, had a huge threat, and Gallagher looked like a different player. 
both goals were good. So, I mean, it was a good win, mate. It was a good win in the end. Over the 90 minutes, Chelsea deserved it. 45, nobody deserved anything. Palace got the goal, but it was a wonder strike. But over the course of it, the one, the one midweek, like we say, a few times Chelsea lacked probably more than anybody in the league is that consistency. So we'll see what the weekend brings. Yeah, definitely. Um, something something to build on Enzo, getting a couple of goals as well. And, and agree with the first half, Johnny, I, I, I agree. I think it was one of the worst game of football I've watched in a long, long time, that, that first half. But both teams, as you said. Jamie, let's, let's touch on uh, Palace then, um, because we didn't get a chance to speak about them last week, where they were, were well beaten by Brighton um, in what they call a derby, which I can't understand is a derby anyway. Well beaten by Brighton. Um, and then they were beat again last night. Um, Steve Parrish um, is coming under some some heavy criticism from the support as well. Um, question I'll, I want to ask you is, if you was in charge of Palace right now, would you stick or twist with Hudson? God. It's like a slow dying death into watching, watching Palace at the moment. That's the problem. Um, I would have twisted back at the beginning of the season, but then you're going to follow up with, well, who would you twist to? And I suppose that's the bit that we're not really sure of. Um, it's it's kind of weird because you like, if you look at some of the managers that have went in the last few seasons about, you know, they've been on this slow and dying death, if you like. What I mean is they're slowly losing the whole dressing room. You look at people, do you remember the Southampton manager, Ralph Hassentutel? Like, he could do a better job than what Roy Hodgson's doing at the moment, in my opinion. He could get probably more from this team. Roy Hodgson, I mean, we talk about players having their feet up and on the beach around about March time when they know they're safe. Hank Hodgson looks as though he's had it for about a year. Like, he, he knows he's retiring. He knows he's out. He knows he's getting a good payoff. I wouldn't be surprised if he just stuck two fingers up to everybody and walked out the door at the last day of the season because he knows he can. I would... God, the question is, is who do you bring in? I would twist and I'd go all out for somebody like a Graham Potter. And I'm not thinking Graham Potter's the be-all and end-all, but he's the kind of manager that they want, that they need, sorry. They don't need a European maestro that can come in and they don't need a Mourinho who's begging for work. Potter's needs to reinvent himself a little bit after what happened at Chelsea. He's got money in the bank in terms of in the terms of how he plays and what he builds. And I think Palace is screaming for a manager like that. I'm not necessarily saying Potter is the right man, but he's the kind of name that they must be looking at. Um, there was talk Potter was at the stadium a couple of games ago, having a walk about the trophy room. What? Walking about the trophy room? No, surely he was, surely he was huckled in that boardroom when you were begging him to sign. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of deal in place to bring somebody in, but it'll be announced at the end of the season. That's that. That's my feeling on it. Walking about the coffee room. Is that Chris- the coffee? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I should have said the coffee room. Put him in, shut the door, and give him a talk. <laughs> 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 I think he'd be a good addition for them. I really do. And what a really nice way to dance around the the, the thought that he wants Hodgson gone. You know how we wouldn't have commit to it, but he kind of danced around it. <laughs> Cooper's another one that's been linked as well, Johnny. Um, if 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 for what I mean, I don't know how realistic Potter is 
um, sort of now because we all know he's on an absolute fortune by not doing anything for even Chelsea. And, and it might be even more dangerous for him to come in, um, you know, the way that Palace are going. I've seen Cooper linked as well. But, um, yeah, what, what would you... What would you do if you were in Paris? Would you stick it out with Hodgson or would you make the make the change right now? Um, what would I do? I would make the change. Yeah, I would make the change. I would try and come to kind of like an amicable agreement with Roy Hodgson. I mean, he's done a hell of a lot for that club. I wouldn't really want to sack him, if I'm honest. I'd like to see a, like, one of the old mutual consent kind of thing, where they both go their uh, separate ways. You know, up into the sunset, but is Potter a big ass for Crystal Palace? I don't think I don't think it is, but I kind of count on one point. Yeah, I think firstly, I think if they could get somebody like Potter, I'm not saying he would got to change everything around because obviously there's, there is issues there. But I do think it'd be a good addition for them. I think he, he is a manager who never got a chance at Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea was at the point where it didn't realise itself that it was in a huge transition and it was nowhere near what it was. I think they're only slowly coming around to that now. When Potter was there, they still believed they could win titles, which was just beyond unrealistic. Um, Crystal Palace, the expectations completely dropped. They just want to stay up, um, give them time. I think one of the problems with Palace is, one, the squad is nowhere near it, and they rely so heavily on Eze and Olis, it's, it's insane. If they miss them, they are they're winning nothing. Um, I mean, they had Edward and that was chipping in with goals. Uh, all of that just isn't happening for them. Uh, they just they don't look great, mate, at all. Uh, even at the week in there, sorry, yeah, yesterday when they were winning, even then they looked awful. So, personally, I do it. Like I said before, I like Roy Hodgson's, but I think they, they, they need to make a move now. They are flirting way too close for relegation. We're over the midway point. I think if they leave it too late, they could end up well in there. The, the ones below them are picking up points. They aren't. That's going to be the interesting one, what Paris does here, because out of respect for Rohrson and what he's done for Palace and, he, and he, even in his career, I, I do wonder if they're going to wait to the end of the season. But I think for the football club, I agree with both of you, it needs to happen now. Um, Jamie, moving on then, uh, Liverpool. Back to winning ways this weekend. What looked like a comfortable 3-1 win. Uh, what's the highlight back though? Burnley did have a couple of opportunities uh, in this one. Um, and a stat I see today, actually, Burnley have conceded 50, 50 goals already. Um, and I I would bet my money that they, they do go down. Uh, what was your thoughts on that at uh, the weekend? Yeah, at the weekend, it wasn't about... Beating Burnley, it was about putting three points back on the board after losing to Arsenal. It was about getting back up those three points and getting back on with it. Um, however, we did wake up on Saturday morning to find out that there was um, a cold and flu running through the camp, which meant we were missing players. Joel Gomez wasn't able to play. Um, Allison wasn't able to play. Um, having Andy Robertson as a stand-in isn't exactly the worst thing possible, but he's lacking match fitness in terms of, not match fitness, but like his physicality within the match, he's quite clearly lacking at the moment. And you can see it in his play. He doesn't go in for the challenges he normally does. He plays the safe pass right now because he doesn't want to lose the ball. Um, Kelleher, Kelleher conceded a goal, but arguably saved his, um, you know, two, two or three point blankers. Um, he did well when he came in. 
Um, I think it's the story of the season. Liverpool, I think 3-1 has probably been the goal, been the scoreline of the season for Liverpool. Um, you know, we, defensively, we could do better, but attacking-wise, <laughs> you know, um, we're, we're probably right up there as one of the top two in the, in the league um, alongside City for the, the goals. And, and again, it was like, I, I'm trying to remember the last time I seen four headed goals in a game. Um, every single one of them was was a header. Um, and Darwin's arguably was the best with the way he winds his neck back. Um, but again, if you look at the, the things I take away from the game as a Liverpool fan, you go back to the good years of uh, Manny, Firmino and Salah. Every one of them getting a goal in a game signifies we've had a good day. That happened at the weekend. Diaz, Jota and Dunat, Darwin all got goals. Um, so it signifies that we did well. And I think, you know, we will have sketchy moments in defence. As long as we keep scoring the amount of goals we do, I think we'll be fine. Um, and again, good to see Darwin get back on the score sheets. Um, he's keeping his numbers up. And he's quietly going under the radar, you know, of uh, of what people's perception is. And Johnny's a perfect example of that because Johnny's labelled him the granny killer and everything. And, you know, he's he's, he's had the he's had the woodwork more times he's had a granny this season. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll have we'll have we'll have games like that where we concede, but as long as we start we continue to score two and three goals a game, then um, I'll, I'll quite happily take it. I would expect uh, Donny Liverpool to get six points from the next uh, couple of games as well. I think I'm right in saying Brentford and then Luton are the next two for, for Liverpool. So big opportunity for them to keep. You know, I know they lost last weekend, but but to, to, to you know to back back with three straight wins, but. Yeah, more, more so, Johnny Burnley, um, as I said, 50 goals conceded already. I just don't think they've got, I don't think company's got it in the locker here to get them out of trouble, if I'm being honest. It is looking that way, mate. Um, and the stats are doing them no favours either. Right. Really briefly with Liverpool, um, 100% that loss to Arsenal was a dent. But the, the the fixtures that lined up at the back here are absolutely perfect for getting back on track. You really couldn't ask for better. Uh, they have a double game week coming up in uh, 25, starting at the weekend, and both of their fixtures are excellent, and obviously Burnley just prior. Um, it doesn't look good for Burnley, mate. The, the vibe I get for Burnley is they're still very much a championship team. Um, you know, that, that small... I don't know, I suppose an upgrade, once you do come up, you do need to improve. It's very, very unlikely you're going to come up without signing some experience for the Premier League. Even if it's journeyman, you do need something, even if it's just to survive one, two seasons, excuse me, and then slowly establish yourself. I don't think they've done that. They very much look like a championship side. I don't know. Did they roll the dice with the company? It's hard to see them punting them, but 17 losses in 24 games, let's be honest, it's awful. It's not good. Nowhere near good enough. Um, so I think it's something they might have to consider, Mason. I know it's not really something I've heard spoken a lot about, to be honest, which is surprising. You think there'd be a wee bit more noise. But um, the the right now it's looking like a, a yo-yo straight back down. So you can either accept that, and go straight back down and try again. But then we all know how hard that is to get back up to the championship. Or you roll the dice and see if somebody can turn the fortunes. Personally, 
if I, I was if I was affiliated with Burnley, I'd be looking at all the dice. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree. I, he, 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 I think what you just said there, Johnny, is the key. I think they've accepted it. That's why you're not hearing about it. I think, see if they come out fighting, they were talking, we want to do this, we want to do that. I think there'd be more pressure. You don't hear that from company. Companies very much, we're doing it this way because this is what we believe in. This is what we're trying to do. And I think the fans have accepted that. And I, I, if the fans were accepting it, why would the Burnley, I know the Burnley hierarchy would want to stay in the Premier League, but they'll quite happily take the parachute payments and try and fight to come back up again the next season. I, I think, I think, company doesn't isn't under pressure and I think he probably stays there next season um I, I I know that could be small-minded but I just mean you don't see the the media hype around Burnley like you do Sheffield yeah. United and Luton and I think it's because behind the scenes they know they know that there's no desire to get rid of him do you not think that's a bit crazy though I mean given well, of course it is. Given the size, when we're talking as a business model and the money that comes in just for surviving in the Premier League, I mean, it's astronomical. So, I mean, to roll the dice yeah, in the opposite way and stay with company and go back down. And, I mean, the Championship is one of the hardest leagues in Europe. It yeah. has to be. You get that promotion. Um, it's it's really difficult. The chances of them having that season that they had prior to coming up oh, no, is yeah, very, very strong. And a lot of those players at the same would have been on a promise to stick in the Premier League. A few of them are going to be gone. So I just think that would be a bit mental. I mean, I kind of, in the modern game, it's a wee bit refreshing to see that kind of, you know, commitment to the manager. But I'm, just, I'm surprised, given the money involved, that really surprises me. See, see if it was at any other football club. Uh, he'd be gone. The, he'd be gone. Yeah, it's because yeah. it, it's Burnley. And also, yeah. their chairman has been very um, loyal with Daesh as well. You think when, when he got them up, they went back down and he, he stuck by him and then they managed to, you know, I think they stayed in the Premier League for five years after that. So there might be, a, it looks like he, he's trying to put a plan in place, but I'm, I'm, I'm with, with Johnny there. I'd be, I'd be looking, because he's not even tried to change the way that they've, they've gone about it and, and, and tried yeah. to, to do something different. It is very much like plan A and my way or the highway, and I, yeah. I really don't like managers like that. I have a very, very similar with my uncle. Same thing, a really, really stubborn manager when it's clearly not working. Mm-hmm. And at the weekend there, it was perfect example. You're going against... There's two teams in the Premier League that will high-press you back in, behind the goals. They're that good at it. Liverpool and Man City. So to still do that and persist with it against Liverpool and not actually come up with a different game plan, you're a manager, you have to be able to adapt. Uh, and he's not doing that. Uh, so at the weekend, they were getting caught left, right and centre because of that. So, yeah, I mean, Jamie might be right. And like I say, it is refreshing in the modern game, but I still think it's madness. Yeah. Jamie, uh, just quickly touch on this, because we spent spent quite a lot of time talking about Man City. But to, in, in all honesty, there's not a lot to say about the week. Again, weren't the best game of football. Um, I thought Everton were decent. Um, I think we all agree that that Braithwaite for Everton again was 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 impressive. Um, gets caught for the second goal, but he's up against Haaland one v one. A lot of defenders he'd leave for dead there as well. But again, Haaland, the difference maker here. If he's not fit, I genuinely don't think they they get over the line in in, in this one. Yeah, I think, um, I, I think you're right. I think if you go back to last week, last week we were talking about how well Braithwaite's been, and and to be fair, ninety percent of that game he was an absolute unit. 
But if you ever want to see what Haaland's about, then you watch that goal because he absolutely bounces Branthwaite away like he's a like he's a paper mache and skips it around him. That's what Haaland's all about. Not the not the six yard poacher. He's he's you know he's a big physical lad and he absolutely makes a mug of Branthwaite. Um, the the key things are big about City is like he obviously did a bit of rotation, but Matthias Nunes was absolutely honking. Um, City kept giving the ball away in the first half. Akanji, arguably one of the worst halves I've ever seen him play, you know, giving balls away and sliding the tackle. City only had three shots on target in the whole game, and two of them resulted in goals. And all those all those shots come in the second half. So see when you're talking about their ability to rotate and stuff, I still argue that there's still some discrepancies there about what they can, what they can't do. But as you said, without Holland, I think that game finishes to draw. Really do. Um, Holland will be the difference maker. Um, the you know to not have any shots in the first half and control the most of the game were poor. There was a couple. Of, there was a couple of times in the first half as well. Um, Calvert Lewin could have done so much better. I think there was a chance where he went through um, on goal in the first half. And instead of squaring it to his, his fellow striker, he tried to shot from about 30 yards. And it was just, I think it went 10 yards wide. And it was just like, you can't go to City and do things like that. You've got to be more clinical. You've got to be more ruthless. Um, it was inevitable City were going to score. It was inevitable that they were going to get that ultimate goal. Um, the 2-0 probably flatters them of how the game actually was. But when you've got Haaland and De Bruyne and Foden, that's that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to do that every game, no? That's that's going to be the difference in it for, for, for me. But you're absolutely spot on in, in your assessment there, um, Johnny. Anything to add on that game at the weekend? As I said, I'm not sure if you watched it, but it wasn't it wasn't a classic. It was uh, it was two 0 but as Jamie said, it, you know, three shots on target. <laughs> that's all I took from the game, really. It was typical days, wasn't it? And to be fair, on the first half, he got it absolutely spot on. Yeah. Um, City were finding nothing. They were getting no space. They were getting hustled. They were they were Everton were pressing them. Any mistakes? I don't know if I'd commit to saying they don't get over the line, uh, purely because KDB came on what seventy minutes give or take, and he was on the score sheet within three or four minutes after that. Um, so even with hand up, not on the pitch, once you had KDB, he finds people everywhere. He unlocks defences. He finds those pockets that they were lacking in. So I can't say for definite, but I still think they do. I mean, you only have to look at the take away hand with his injury and look back to the start of the Club World Cup. That was the last time they lost a game. They've already they went on that mad run early, and it's still going strong. So I think they are um, hampered with it. Of course they are, but I still think they're a Absolutely dominant team with or without. I think he just adds that extra edge. Yeah, yeah, agree, agree on that, uh, gents. Uh, Jamie, uh, Johnny, I'll, I'll come to you. Um, just a couple more games to, to get through. Um, it was a cracker at the City Ground um, Saturday evening, Newcastle. Um, they needed a much needed uh, three points, um, winning three two. But also, Forrest is not really someone we've we've really spoke about in this podcast about potentially. And I think we've all sort of agreed that they'll 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 be all right, but they're, they're getting dragged back into it. I can't I can't really remember the last time um, they they managed to to win to win a game and, and back it up um, again, conceding three at home. Disappointing result. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, mate. Um, it was a good game, really enjoyable game. Uh, and you're right, the, the the form's been really, really sporadic. I think, other than the FA Cup, you have to go back to early in the year when they got a win. Actually, I think that win was the FA Cup as well, early in the year. So it's probably way prior to that. Maybe last year was the last one in the Premier League. They just they are scoring goals. I think they still carry a decent threat. But they leak a lot of goals. You've seen the goals that they conceded at the weekend that were very, very poor. Um, Bruno's first one was absolutely criminal. I mean, he's he's just basically wandered into the back post and not one single person turned around until the ball was in the net. So, I mean, when you're doing stuff like that, uh, you can only really class it as sloppy. You're going to have a hard time winning games. Uh, I mean, credit to Newcastle. They, they were dogged. Bruno was, was outstanding. Yeah, the cracking game, but uh, yeah, Forest do have the tools, mate. I think they do have a decent squad. They've, they've oversaturated the squad, though, similar to Chelsea. You know, they've signed some other shite, but they have some really good players like the boy of one year and that. And I think that lad's dynamite. Uh, and the guy that I got laughed at when they signed him, and I thought he would do a job of anger. You all laughed me at the park. You remember that? Yeah, I do. He's been doing okay. Um, but I mean. I agree with you, mate. I think they are they're flipping with it. We did mention it briefly. Well, we are just it was only touched on it briefly, just saying that they are flipping with that relegation. And it was it made it a wee bit more dangerous when you had Luton, Everton, uh, were picking up points in general. So they are, they are in it, mate. They are definitely in it. So it's another team that you could start saying today, start considering a change. Uh, or they could be going the same way. I think they'd probably go, they'd probably slap the, the button before uh, Burnley did. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, they did, obviously, with, with Cooper and uh, and got a bounce from, from Nuno, but I'm still not still not convinced. Jamie, do you think Forrest they, they, they definitely there? look, they, yeah, they look better now they've got a one year Langer back. You know, they, they look as though they've got a permanent threat there. It, it just goes back to the goalkeeper and the defence. It's it's just not where you where where they would expect it to be. But I would also go. I would also call it that, you know, for as good as Newcastle got away with that, they, I, I, I failed to understand why I won. You didn't get a penalty. That VAR decision on on you know him being brought down, I thought was an absolute stone baller. How how they can judge that to not be anything other than being taken up by the goalkeeper. I think what they said is that he potentially moved his foot into the goalkeeper. I don't think he did at all. I think the goalkeeper came across him. I think it's a stonewall penalty, and that would have, you know, we'd be now talking three each. We'd be talking about it being a much better result, you know, than than what than what Newcastle got away with. So I fully expect that game to be on the the Michael Owen and you know referee show of uh, poor calls um, because I think that was a bit of a howler. Um, but yeah, I I I do think they're in danger. But I think Nuno's absolutely fine. I think Palace are probably more in danger than what they are. Yeah, ignore me. I'm being stupid. I had a total brain fart there and forgot Cooper had been punted. I do apologise, listeners. It's been a very, very long day, which is criminal because we had an entire half a pod about Nuno a couple of weeks ago. So, <laughs> apologies. Apologies. That's, uh, that's, that's fine, mate. And, uh, Johnny, last game we'll, we'll touch on tonight. Um, and it is that, that inconsistency of Luton. Um, we was we've all praised them the last couple of weeks, going to Newcastle, scoring four. 
Um, but you know, battering Brighton, but you know, to lose three-one at home to to Sheffield United, you, you would have. I think before the game, you'd have said if Luton can can beat Sheffield United at home, I think you're more or less nailing Sheffield United down. I would have. I said I know that cliche goes as a six-pointer, but I think you'd have said they're gone. But Sheffield United, you know, big win for them, and it, it does give them sort of a a glimmer of hope. I mean, I think it's one of those games that's probably about as close to a six-pointer as you'll get. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it very, very much was. Did fancy Luton from the off. They, they are definitely picked up. But I mean, I think we're probably, because of those few results, we're expecting a wee bit too much for them. Yeah. At the end of the day, it is a very thin squad, you know, and with, with nothing but respect, it's not at the standard to the rest of the league, um, with the exception of maybe a couple down below them. It's it's miles off the rest, and they've kind of been punching above. Uh, I think they're going to be like that, but what matters is can they, they bounce back for that. It is a loss, you know, it's a bad one, considering the positions in the league, but, I mean, there's still a hell of a lot of football to be played. I think they're going to lose games we don't expect them to, and I think they're going to win games we don't expect them to, which is pretty much the way it's went. So yeah, I was surprised by it, mate. I didn't. I, I thought it would be uh, Luton would probably be comfortable, but I mean, credit to Sheffield, mate. I've given them pelters this season, but it's a cracking result for them, it really. Is. Jamie, uh, what was your thoughts on that? It's it's, it's the old uh, coupon buster, isn't it? Luton. Everyone would have sat on Luton. It's probably the only time Luton go into a game this season where they're probably favourites to win it, and they absolutely face planted. However, I will say um, the two penalty decisions were absolutely honking. Those handballs, like you know, the, the play was essentially about less than a yard away from they were jumping. The ball was headed onto people's arms. That's oh, apparently, no, the first one, the first one was a stick on me. Second one, no, I agree with you. Second one was awful, but the first one was a stick on. He's basically doing a Michael Jackson thriller dance with his hands in there. No, no, I just, I just don't see them as penalties at all, and I think it set the tone for the game. Um, you know, the one thing I will say is that the, um, the, the, the keeper has 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 had an absolute mare recently. The, the, the lad in goal for Sheffield, what's his name, Trafford. Um, he, he needs to be much stronger when he comes out for these balls because that's a bit about two or three games now he's been kind of huckled out and balls have been goals have been scored from set pieces on his watch and his area if you like. But Sheffield did what they needed to. I, I just felt Luton. It's that typical one, isn't it? You expect to turn up and get three points. Luton probably fell into that trap, but they got absolutely humbled by Sheffield United at home, um, and nobody's seen it coming. Um, as you said, I think we called last week that it was a big game for both teams for different reasons. One probably would have meant Luton would have probably escalated themselves a little higher above the drop zone and nailed Sheffield United to the cross, uh, to the mast, if you like. But not that it brings Sheffield United back in, but it keeps Luton back in that area, which is, you know, the whole point here. Um, so it was a surprise um, from both sides, I think. Well done to Sheffield United. Um yeah, I think as Johnny said, Luton are going to have games where they win, and they're going to lose games that we don't expect them to. I think that was I think that was also Sheffield United's first win since 9th of December. That's how important it was for them, and that's when they beat Brentford. So that's some that's some run that they've went on. So they were duo win <laughs> the old famous line, "Well, the duo win," you know. But, 
yeah yeah come come at come at the right time and then the other games uh we, we weren't at time touch on tonight it was fulham beat uh bournemouth three one at home and brentford went away to Wolves and won two nil so we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time uh talking about uh them teams uh in next week's show uh gents the last thing to do tonight is is thank you both so johnny thanks for tonight thanks for having me back on me everybody look out for chelsea we're back <laughs> Jamie, so I'm uh, going to put Chelsea on the, the coupon to lose this weekend. Um, no, uh, I, I think I think, well, I think con- considering the playing complete considering the playing City this weekend, um, <laughs> yeah, you could probably you could probably call that all day long. <laughs> before, before we say, you know, I'll tell the truth, he absolutely slated Chelsea in our group chat, listeners, and then he sends me a, a, a picture. He's betting slip five minutes after. What's the first team on his line on, yesterday? <laughs> Go on, tell the truth. Aye, well, I'm always going to pick the favours, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. No, th- thanks for, for coming on, to, uh, as always, tonight, Jamie. No, absolutely spot on, thank you. Um, I'm going to call it now and get your money on Brentford 1, Liverpool 3 at the weekend. I told you it's a scoreline that we keep coming back with. Um, and... Eight, even, even though we didn't touch Brentford yet, but four games and three goals for Ivan Tony, he's just adding million pounds on dollars on symbols on the end of his cost come the end of the season. So um, I fully anticipate him scoring again this weekend, but they'll lose three one to Liverpool. <laughs> There's Jamie's uh, prediction, um, but yeah, Tony, Tony is on form. Uh, a strike, I'm sure. Love lots of suitors next season. But listeners, um, as always, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to go through another jam-packed game week but as always take care deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.